and welcome to the Eastern Kicks podcast, a regular magazine program about East Asian film led by me, Andrew Heskins, founder and grandmaster of EastonKicks.com, and James Mudge, our leading writer. Hey, Each episode, we'll be taking a look at the latest films, news, and festivals, often chatting to filmmakers and stars along the way. Welcome to the latest episode. Today, we're being joined by Jonas Sikrovsky. Hi. To chat about Brotherhood of the Wolf which is being re-released with a restored 4K version in its director's cut, Vision, by Studio Canal. Later on, Yona will chat with the star of Brotherhood, John Wick 3, and lots more, Mark Dacascos. But first, let's start with that most important question. Mm-hmm. And as our guest this time, you know, Yona, what are you drinking? Well, I, I don't usually drink, but it's warm out, so I was really craving beer. I mean, I'm drinking a Flensburger Pilsner. It just looked really tasty, and I, I love pilsners. You can hear it. Yeah. So what, what percentage? Um, four point eight. Okay. Okay. Is that a lot? Is that a little? Oh, but it's it's a, a pilsner. It's a pilsner. <laughs> <laughs> so mine yeah. is a, is, a, is a quite difficult to pronounce. So I'm going to ask the lady to help me here. You the cherry steered. There you go. Right. So it's a one of those fruity Belgian beers, um, and it is a. Quaint and nice, eight point seven percent. Yeah, so that's so that's a folly. Not, <laughs> and I have. Um, I'm drinking Ardmore, as well. I mean, up in Scotland, so me as well. It's Ardmore Legacy, so it's one of those uh, slightly mixed ones, but I, I I think it's quite a nice one. Ardmore's a oh, nice one. It's nice Highland Scotch. So there you go. <laughs> right. Cheers. 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 Mm. Nice. conversation hmm. but before we get into talking about brotherhood of the wolf itself yeah no, i think you've been doing a bit of a deep dive on takaskos's career and i wonder if we can maybe pull out a few highlights um from up to when he did brotherhood i mean for us in new york um mark takaskos is the chairman so i don't know if you're familiar with that he's placed this character yeah. on a reality cooking show called iron chef america <laughs> Ah. And I did not know that. No, <laughs> he's beloved because he created this mythos over the years with producer Alton Brown. So there's actually you've never seen the Japanese Iron Chef. Never. I'm aware of it. Of I know. It. I have know of it. They have this yeah. crazy character called the Chairman, and Mark Dacascos played his nephew in the American version. <laughs> and there's this whole like backstory right. to him. Um, and we were all huge fans of him. So when the interview started, he was like, "This is such." Like, thank you for doing this. And I said, "No, they <laughs> mean you're the Chairman. This is huge for me." But you know, I watched John Wick three, and then I saw that he was an actor too. I had no idea, and now that mm. I've looked, this is interesting it, actually. The John Wick 
Bree character actually plays with that, doesn't it? Because isn't he kind of a, at a stall or something and kind of all, all he's a bit like chef-y? A sushi chef. And yeah. The way he explains it in the interview is he was supposed to do that scene. And then I think Keanu and, I forget the director's name, Chad something. Mm. But he, they went back and watched his older stuff and were like, we want you to be the main villain Zero. And I had some kind of a similar experience um, preparing for the interview. I went back and saw his breakout role, um, Only the Strong, where he taught himself capoeira. And, I mean, I saw, like, it was basically his JCVD, like, an incredible athlete flipping around, doing these incredible things. And uh, not a great movie, but, I mean, you couldn't look away from him. And then, moving on, he did all these kind of movies nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> but if you go back, like, I didn't watch them, he is incredibly impressive. There's one called Double Dragon, which is a horrendous sci-fi. <laughs> but you could just kind of wait for his fight scenes, which is, I think, the sign of any good kind of straight-to-VHS action star. Mm-hmm. Um, Isn't it based on, on one of these ones that's based on a game or something? No, it's a Double Dragon so, video game. Yeah. He, he did a remarkable amount, like, based on anime, mm. video games, manga. And I, I brought that up in the interview, and he's like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. I had no idea. But I, Double Dragon, I don't know. If, was that a game? Yeah, yeah. Very, very yeah, famous yeah. Old, old school yeah. one. Um, lot, I mean, lots in the series, everything. Long running ones. Uh, but I have, no, I have no idea if the film is, uh, is based on it. It's one of those old ones which I. I remember wanting to play it when I was very young and seeing the old like proper coin ops and everything and being too young to actually be trusted with money to go and play it. So <laughs> it was, yeah, I think there, there I think there's been a one or two different adaptations or maybe an anime as well of it. So it was a it was a very, very popular one way, way back when. The the trailers alone is worth it. It's one of the most unhinged trailers I've ever seen. <laughs> but the film I'd probably skip. Um but then Crying Freeman is this really notorious anime manga. Because yeah. it's completely nuts. And like Which is the first time he works with Christoph Gans, who he works with again on Brotherhood of the War. Yeah, I even had to ask him because like him and Christoph Gans are a beautiful match made in heaven. Mm. Because you see like intense versatility in Mark DeCascos' background. He's done every martial art. He's multinational. He's, you know, lived in different places. He speaks, I think, six language. Mm. Six languages and Gans. And he, and he talks in your interview. His both his parents were doing martial arts as well. And yeah, I wonder if it's this thing about like being taught by your mother because there's Donnie Yen, Jackie Chan, a lot of like the greats. Or Jackie Chan wasn't, but Donnie Yen specifically said he was taught by his mother. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was he was just doing like a martial arts presentation when he was discovered by. Are you guys familiar with Wayne Yang? Wayne yeah. Wang, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. He's an American Asian filmmaker, mm-hmm. kind of from the area. I haven't seen his stuff yet, but it was funny because he just saw him walking down the street and was like, I mm. want to put you in a film. Um, but Crying Freeman is interesting. I mean, there's an hour long YouTube video about how insane this anime is. And they really, like, did a way better movie out of it, Gans and uh, DeCascos. Mm. I was actually really impressed, and I, I haven't actually and heard then much there about were, it. Was, there were several live app. app live action adaptions of it two from hong kong one yeah not particularly official um version of it but there was dragon from russia and there was another one yeah. police uh, i want to say police confidential but it was one with simon yamin that the, the less official version of it but yeah. um but crying freeman is the source material mm, really yeah i think i mean that, was, that happened quite a lot with a lot of I mean, there's a point style. in the sort of yeah. sort of late 80s early 90s there were a lot of um I mean, it's quite it's quite interesting a lot of hong kong adaptions of anime and um you know and, and uh, yeah manga coming through at that point interesting yeah i didn't know and i asked him about it and it was really about these producers who were in touch with these things wanting mm-hmm. to make movies like silent hill eventually and yeah. wanting to make movies like crying freeman then i mean even if you look at it now uh, i think he couldn't tell me but he's rumored to be 
in other anime adaptations. I think maybe Fist of the North Star. And also he's doing Saint Seiya now. So there's definitely mm-hmm. like a continuation to this. And I think that, that part of that's probably down to the popularity of, of, of anime and manga that... that, that... I mean, you're you're a youngster, but for for <laughs> elder statesmen like James and myself, you know, we didn't we didn't get a lot of anime and, and manga in this country, and and you know, we might be yeah. kind of few people kind of watching Akira, and you know, but 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 particularly, and and there was more of it happening in Europe, yeah, like Italy was was importing, you know, in the states, I think we're doing a bit more of importing lots and lots of um, anime for 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 TV. But yeah. we weren't we weren't getting a lot of that, and so the no. youngsters now are much more familiar with this, and and I think that's kind of yeah. fueled a lot more, you know, like 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 things like yeah, um, uh, Demon Slayer and stuff like that that are you know massive now, that, mm. that you know, and even like uh, uh, Suzume, the, the you know the animation, the the thought of that being so you know in cinemas, it just into that scale would not have happened in the no no eighties no, no, and nineties. Yeah, I mean, now, I mean, we've been able to just watch stuff on Netflix or, or different streaming stuff. I mean, as you're saying, like, comparing that to when we were uh, we were younger, like, I mean, if you're collecting a film, like a, tracking in a Hong Kong film, a Japanese film on some mad VHS, or, or then on DVD, that was fine. It's just one film. But if you were tracking down something which had, like, 30, 40, 50 episodes, then, you know, that was more of a challenge and actually trying to get that on a DVD or get it from somewhere. I mean, you'd started to get stuff, oh, like, rips of stuff on eBay and everything, but even that was not not enough to push it into the kind of mad mainstream it is now. So, but that's just it's the streaming services, and as you say, it's got that knock-on effect of now there's enough of an audience for things to go into cinema because the manga audience or the anime audience doesn't. It's it, a few things break into the mainstream, but it, it's mostly like quite nicely self-sustaining. The same people will go and watch any anime film in the cinema, um, whether or not anyone reviews it or has heard of it or anything. But there's enough of a core audience to justify. Releasing it, so yeah, it wouldn't be a surprise if they if we saw like more waves of adaptations of some of those more well known o- older titles. But doesn't it make it somewhat surprising that in '94 when Crying Freeman came out, mm. that that kind of got there? Or but I, I, I everything Gans makes this kind of surprises me. Uh, I don't think it, don't think it's a surprise because I don't think it, I mean most people wouldn't have known what it was. Uh, you yeah, know, I, I think I think, lot, I think yeah, been, yeah. I, I don't think it would be. I don't think it would have been massively like, you know, it wasn't like a huge budget, you know, sort of groundbreaking Hollywood adaptation of a, you know, a manga property or anime property in that sense. So, and there, I would not be surprised if there's quite a lot of film, I mean, like you were saying, Andy, with Hong Kong ones, which are floating around for just completely unofficial. A lot of the time they weren't remaking these things because they wanted to remake them. They're just being lazy. And, <laughs> and you no, know, this thing is like intellectual yeah, yeah. property rights. So yeah. If you've got an IP, then your script is already pretty much written for you. So you can move into production much more quickly. Uh, whether or not you have the rights is neither here nor there. But it's that it was more that motivation for doing some of these films, I think, rather than actually thinking that it would, you know, wouldn't add it to its box office or home sales or anything like that. It, it was just, I mean, laziness sense that isn't quite the right word because it's not even massively a negative thing. It's just, you know, having an IP that you can work from, it does a lot of your job for you. So it's, well, he could it's show more off that. his filmmaking, couldn't he, with that movie? Yeah, I mean, he. I'm, I'm he sure really he was did. a fan. I'm sure. Did. I'm sure he was a fan of it. I just mean in general, like the producers, the financiers, and yeah. like I say, the decision to adapt it would have. I wouldn't massively be based. On, well, I'd be surprised mm. if it was based on thinking that was going to bring in a box office because most people wouldn't have. No way. Yeah, but I think. That. I mean, you're right. I mean, I think it does say so much about where Gans 
Christoph Gans was coming from that 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 he chooses Brian Freeman, and I think mm. you do see. You know, you see that he does have a real genuine, you know, and the fact that later on he's he's working on on sort of game adaptations like Silent Hill and <clears> I mean some other stuff that he was working on that that, that never really kind of came out, but that he that's where he's interested is in kind of very much in that sort of anime manga video game, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, sort of the, the Hong Kong stuff as well. I think you know she'll kind of start talking about Brotherhood because I think what's really interesting about Brotherhood is is what what Gans does in in bringing a, together a lot of different talent for mm. it. You kind of look at the the credits, and in some ways, that's kind of you know is as is as interesting as you know, my even more interesting than the film itself. But it is as interesting as the film itself. You've got you know you've got Philip Quock there from the the Five mm. Venoms as as doing the martial art choreography. Mm. One of the editors on there is David Wu, who of course worked yeah. with Ronnie Yu on the Bride with White Hair. So you you will immediately you kind of get the impression of of no he of Gans knowing exactly what he's going for and, and actually kind of uh, you know and, and following what's already been happening with Matrix and bringing this talent actually rather than trying to copy it, bringing this talent in to work on the film. Yeah, you know, and then actually outside of that, there's some interesting stuff there. You've got. Uh, Joseph Laducia, who uh, as the composer on the on there, which is is the guy who is most famous for working with Sam Raimi for The Evil Dead and yeah. all the various sequels to that, and Xenia Warrior Princess as well. Um, you know, and you've got the the creature, which I think we might talk about in a bit more. Uh, mm. uh, it's Jim Henson. Jim Henson's creature. Yeah. Jim yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's, it's a it's quite a it's quite a list actually of, of people he's brought together. Mm-hmm. I I think. For me, I do feel like this film came along at exactly the right time, um, and and it was just the right sort of movie. And I think some of that is some quite canny. Some of it is possibly luck. Some of it is quite canny decisions by by Crystal Gans and 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 the producers for this. That we still had this. People were still really kind of in this world of. Um, uh, of oh crouching tiger hidden dragon it's the most amazing film well it didn't come out that long after it it was a world movie you know for for, for western audiences that you know um it had that bit of a foreign language thing going on yeah um i do feel like at the point it came in it came out in what 2001 that there was still this idea that french films um, were somehow on a, on a bit of a plateau above everything else. So there'd been a lot of period dramas that had um, been released, yeah, particularly in the 90s and um, 2000s, that are, uh, by, by companies like Miramax and so on and put out quite widely in the States, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's this idea that because it's French, they're, 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 they're some, they're, they're, they are somehow elevated um, when they're as, uh, they're as trashy as anything else. And... Um, I think you could use that that sort of that that expression in a sense for for brotherhood, but not necessarily in a bad way. But it is it is playing with all this these ideas and then bringing out all this genres: the martial arts, the horror. Um, you know, it's it's this idea of the beast of Gravedon that it's it's kind of partly based on you know, but it's not in any way meant to be. It's it's mm. not a, it's not a, a factual take on it. It's a real kind of fun take on it. Um, in terms of internationally known people, I mean, you've got the Cascos, but you've got the lead guy Samuel L. Bihan, who 
was in Free Colors Red, but wasn't massively well known. But mm. you know, alongside him in 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 what end up kind of being minor roles, you've got Vincent Cassell, who was already much better known for being in Lahaine. He's, he's, he's yeah, he's he's kind of the the arch villain as you kind of find out. Yes, probably should have said spoilers may happen, <laughs> um, but he's there as a yeah as a side side role. But he's a much better known person. You've got uh, Monica Bellucci as well, mm. who's who is 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 far better known. It's kind of interesting to have these 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 stars in in, in fairly. They're not they're not the absolute lead protagonists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's, I know what you mean. It, it is. Uh, even when I was watching it again, that's one of the things that comes across the most is it's a film that's been not not cynically, but it's been quite you could say nicely or, or well constructed or well pulled together quite deliberately. All these different elements were behind the camera and and in front of the camera and in in what it does quite pointedly with the source material. Um, as you as you say, it's not like a factual thing, but then it's a mystery which doesn't really have an answer in in real life anyway. Um, so it. It knows that, so it works in this kind of like mythology to it, but it feels free to play around with it, feels free to introduce the martial arts, uh, <laughs> having uh, Dacascos as a, you know, an Indian character and everything. So it, it's, it's, and that was a great time, early 2000s in the West was a great time for international cinema in general. So it, it absolutely came along at the right time. But yeah, I think it was put together quite uh, cannily, uh, like you say, with these different mm. These different not in a bad elements. way. No, I, no, think, I don't mean it in a bad way. Yeah, no, it's, because it's, I think actually, the, 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 like I said, the one thing that mm. does come through is that he does have a real appreciation for this. Yeah, um, it's yeah. not. It's not. It, I mean, I don't know if you could have been at that stage. I don't know if you could have been massively cynical because you would still be pulling on all these sort of strange things that whatever you created. Would, yeah, you know, oh, definitely. Yeah, uh, you know, and. I mean, it is basically kind of Hound of the Baskervilles, really, is what he he, he does. With yeah, this. there's a lot of that in there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, for he sure. also he also goes as far away from it as like if you read the original myth, just mm. a gang of wolves that they assumed was one giant one, and I think that Gans does like a great job of being like, no, I want to go satanic cult. I want to do like two and a half hours of period piece Cartesian drama. I think I think one of the interesting things talking about that is actually the sort of the the the. the Brotherhood or Pact, uh, mm. as, a, as kind of the the French, mm. is it is very much. I do feel like like Hot Fuzz kind of rips that <laughs> off. Yeah, it, that maybe it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, yeah. Edgar, but well, it's all yeah. in the greater good. But. <laughs> I think a lot of people rip it off. There's a lot of conversations about. I don't know if you guys play the From Software games. Uh, yeah, no, 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 there's this critically acclaimed game Bloodborne, and a lot of the fans of it now are. are oh, I know that one. I do know Brotherhood that one. Brotherhood of the Wolf and going. Oh, the costume. Wait, yeah, the, yeah. You're right. The, the co- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good point. The lead. You know, just thinking of the poster for, um, you know, the uh, the film, and when they've got their sort of mad collars up in the hat. Yeah, absolutely. That is that is that. I, 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 <laughs> that's pretty much just lifted, isn't it? I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's a beloved. But you have to remind yourself, like, it was a huge commercial success. And I think highly influential. Silent Hill yeah. people hated that movie, but yeah. I think all the horror mm. movies we watch today are remakes of Silent Hill, and I'm happy for that in a certain <laughs> way. Um, I like I like the Silent Hill film. I, I told yeah, you it's good. It's good. Good bit of Sean Bean action in there. Um, <laughs> Does he die? I'm not telling you. <laughs> it's a spoiler. You, who would ever expect Sean Bean to die in a film? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I like I like Silent Hill. It's as good an adaptation as you could. And I thought it was pretty like. Lucio Fulci in the way it just didn't yeah. have any sense to it and just things appearing and disappearing whenever they wanted to but I thought it were 
Uh, the only thing I'd say against it is one of the only things I'd, I'd really say against this film is just too long. Silent Hill yeah. is way too long, and this is, this film. You know, the, I we, let's talk about that long. because there are kind yeah. of various versions of true. this. Yeah, that's true. That are even, yeah. um, and I think you, know, you, you put so, yourself through all of them. Or, yeah, which I, I don't, don't, I don't like versions, yeah. lower Blu-ray sales, but this new version adds two scenes which over-explain the plot. So it's one scene mm. where he will, you know when they get the wolf and it's not the real beast? Yeah, mm. yeah. He'll have a conversation with Monica Bellucci that's at right. the brothel, being yeah. like, you know I know it's not the real beast. And she's like, yes, I know, I know you know. And it's totally yeah, necessary. That's true. So they've yeah. added that. And then they've added another one where it's the two women talking, you know, that the Vince Cassell's sister, mm. I forget her, and love interest, spoiler alert. But, um, so she's talking to Monica Bellucci, and they're just going over plot points mm. and being like, can we confirm that this is for the audience members who don't understand? And like, you know why they cut it out, because it's over-explaining. Yeah. Um, but then the it, only gets weirder, is, I but it gets weirder for, for, the, for, for, for us in the UK because we had a special cut for us, which took out yeah. all these these parts. This is sort of a historical element of this Lord Burton, who is the person who, who is, is, is supposed mm. to catch it. Uh, catch the the, the beast, um, <laughs> yes. and, uh. and and actually completely excise all those. And I, I don't I don't understand why. No. Um, and so, but also, but what it did is it added some of the the director's cut scenes. Really. In. Yeah. So it still ended up being about five minutes less than the original theatrical cut. But it's this sort of weird, and there's a lot of scenes, and I. I do remember, one thing I do remember quite clearly about watching this film, and I have to admit, I haven't actually watched it since I watched that version probably about 20 odd years ago, mm -hmm. is feeling like there was this big chunk, this very kind of clunky change from um, this the scene where the, the Lord comes in, Bertrand comes in, and then the kind of everything kind of comes back to, to kind of get trying to come back and get the beast. Um and and I I feel I do always I felt at the time I do remember it very clearly thinking what just that just seemed, that didn't really flow particularly well, and mm -hmm. this is a film where it likes to do these strange cutaways like going from, I mean it literally doing a, a shot of Monica Bellucci where we go from breasts <laughs> into mountains. <laughs> that's, that's I, I, I have to mention Jesus. because that's just shot. I think <laughs> it's just by a, far. Yeah. And it's just come on, mate. Um, yeah. But um, you know, but it's obviously that there isn't meant to be a. The only thing thing about that cut is that those were all real people, the the French people that they were sourcing. So the one who caught the beast was very much the person who caught the beast mm. in the actual story. So to take out of the bad of the British cut, it's just taking cool stuff out. It's annoying. And it's, it, it's, it's just strange business, yeah. You know, and I think, it, again, I mean, in part, it, it does relate to, because it's kind of crossing these different genres, it is quite talky. There's a lot of conversations. Yeah. Um, you know, the action is quite well done. I think, yeah, it comes back to Philip Kwok and David Wu who are kind mm. of probably going to be brought in to edit those for those parts there's a lot of mm. slow-mo but it you know it actually it does look genuinely good you know you can see they're actually kind of doing it properly mm -hmm. but um yeah it's a, it is this sort of weird thing where we're you know i i you know as, as a having seen the uk cut you know it's like oh okay yeah okay this this stuff is this stuff is new and it does it does actually not necessarily helps the plot but you do need it to kind of get to the other side of it so it's, it's such a bizarre thing to just take we're always essentially probably about 10 minutes of easily about 10 minutes of footage out yeah um and put stuff i know other stuff back in but yeah. still not get this stuff so it's it's yeah it's bizarre even watching like the director's cut you know the you know this full like two and a half hour version it still feels like that's not the right version 
quite quite to me. It still feels like there's stuff yeah. in there which is missing and stuff which doesn't need to be in there. And there should be a two-hour film in there somewhere that makes sense. <laughs> Although you also think a 90-minute version would be amazing. Oh, yo, sure, sure. Even better. I mean, Christ, give me an 18-minute version. <laughs> I'd be perfectly sure. happy with it. You know, I'd be, I would have no problem with that at all because it's way too long. Uh, even in there's such a, a weird lull and drop off of the plot about two thirds of the way through. Yeah, where yeah, after they think they've caught yeah. it before they're like, okay, let's go. But I'm never gonna go back again. That's it. I'm done. And then let's go on a hunt. Oh, he's fine. Oh, yeah, fine. I'm gonna get blade again. Maybe so I'll go back and hunt again. <laughs> it's, it's just what it comes to. Basically, he's, he's like, haha, I'm never going back, guys. I'm gonna change your mind. I'll bet he's like, oh, you're not getting me, mate. Here's a letter from her. Is that oh, where, oh, so smells the like, poop. Drugs like, the yeah. dude. Oh. In the forest, yeah. and the, after uh, talking to the trees. Oh Christ! This, this, <laughs> That's this, a key scene. <laughs> yeah, there's so much stuff in there though, which is just, which just drags that part of it out. And and I, I think again, again, he's kind of playing with the the, the kind of the, the 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 perception of of French cinema and how lauded it is. So it almost like he kind of packs it with with all those her kind of talky conversations, oh. which really aren't really doing much at all no one of the interesting things they do they have done for this new restoration mm. um is that they have reworked that creature um mm. quite significantly yes, i had a yes. look back at yeah. the, the 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 um the original one uh the 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 creature was or a shocking um i mean i'm not saying it's amazing now but it's definitely a massive Way lift better. on on yeah. what was a very obvious looking I mean James and I have played around with this before but this is sort of silly mm. thing on Google where you can make a live animal look like it's sitting on your table we, we did raccoons of course <laughs> we James definitely did raccoons because um, he loves them but you know like that raccoons? is more convincing than yeah. the, the the creature in the original um, it's really bad in the first version even for yeah. 2001 I mean yeah. when did um, the Davy Jones Pirates of the Caribbean came out, come out I think five six years later Oh, I can't say, mm. can't say for sure. The one with Bill it wasn't that long, yeah. So that's like peak CG, right? That's not too long after, I yeah. guess. And this is a $30 million movie, so it's not cheap. No, no it's, I mean, I, actually, last night, I, the, the double bill I did was watching the director's cover of this and Species, like the first one. And it just reminded me, the effects in this one are worse than the effect in Species in terms of that jarring mix between species when it's full cool yeah. yeah, Species is not, yeah, mid-90s, so... Mm. It, 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 and they've got exactly the same jarring mix when you go to not great CGI uh, between you know, between sort of real stuff and backwards and forwards, and it just doesn't work very well. But it is way better than it was originally. At least it has some, more, well, some sense of presence. Still doesn't. It still doesn't really work because it's this the pretty stupid great. creature. The puppet's better. You see it when it's dead, or uh, I think there's another. See it. I think there's a couple of quick flashes of it where you see close-ups of it. Uh, mm. Parts of it. I, do, you, I mean, yeah, you don't see it like fully moving around and stuff. But mm. that's the, but that's the same thing as with with species. You're getting like these sudden, sudden close ups of parts of it, which you can tell are, uh, you know, which look like they're a physical thing. Then you move away a bit, and it's all CG. So uh, I mean, yeah. it's not terrible. It's it is knowing that it's watching it now, knowing it's a product of the time, makes it not seem so bad. Whereas but having proved that, you know, it's no longer a product yeah, of think, that time. I mean, it, it, we get into it's, the whole... It's still not great. <laughs> I mean, we, 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 we've covered this in passing as well, mm. that the, the, as things kind of get restored and looked at, mm. that, the, you know, you, you do get to... And we particularly, I think, with the, the, the reaction to, say, Versus, when the, mm. the, yes, that, yeah. the new restoration of that came out, you do get to a bit of Ship of Feces, you know, or Grandfather's Axe, where, you know, is it the same film when all these bits mm. are... Are replaced oh, and tweets and yeah, 
Also, Versus was made with no money, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there was a lot of there was with that there was a lot of out, uh, out uproar about the fact that they cleaned up the sort of color grading and stuff like that. Yeah, but, they really you know, yeah, actually, did a lot of changing. And you know, and actually, that was part of the so the beauty good? of the film. Is it good or bad now? Well, it's still too long, but it's still good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, 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 because yeah, there's a sort of again a, that was a director's cut. I mean, that, that was very much a mm. I think sort of at the end of of, of Laserdisc, but the sort of beginning of DVD. There were a lot of director's mm. cuts of things that were coming mm. out, weren't there? And you you'd get yeah, the theatrical yeah. version, and you get the in the states you get the unrated yeah. version. Yeah. You get an extra forty seconds on screen, um, you know, and. Uh, in the, you know, and then on, you'd also you get the the, the so-called director's cut. I mean, any yeah. I mean, that was. I mean, it's all fucking Ridley Scott's Scott's fault, isn't it? Really, yeah, it's kind of fun. Well, he's definitely yeah. one of the ones to blame for the stuff. Like that. Oh, uh, Zack Snyder. Yeah, uh, I don't. <laughs> I mean, I don't. <laughs> but anyway, we're we're we're, we're yeah, yeah, digressing. We're <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, but no, but it's 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 an interesting interesting point about these things, and but it's. It doesn't really bother me. I, don't, I just I don't massively see the point in these things. But uh, the fact that it's interesting with this film that they they spent you know would, would have been a reasonable bit of money to re you know redo the creature uh, and putting it back in there and stuff, which obviously speaks I think not just to the fact that they they wanted to correct it, but they must have had like a commercial proper commercial motivation for doing so. And to, you know, in terms of I think selling, I mean because this this I mean in the UK has, it's, it's a cult favorite ish. It's not a massive cult. Favorite, I think. It also was a huge commercial success. It's interesting. It's kind of known, and I think, you know, and maybe they're being quite savvy that, that in a sense, mm. that it was known, but it has, it do feel like it's something that's kind of fallen a bit out of sight. You know, if this wasn't being released, I wouldn't necessarily be, be coming back to this. No, no, that's exactly what, you know, exactly what I think. I mean. And that's, that's yeah. probably quite canny. They probably realise that if they, you know, you don't, then it's just kind of trend to, to do things in 4K. Um, and it, there was no way that that those those CGI graphics from the original ones were going to survive on, no, on, that's true. on on that kind of introspection. So, mm -hmm. but it, yeah, it's interesting that they're you know trying to make some, and then it's been released in different territories by 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 different. Is it going to cinemas anywhere, or is it just is it just like a sort of a home a home entertainment thing essentially, like a it, special it edition? Can. It did. I know it did. Can yeah, yeah. but it didn't get a release after that. I thought after that it would yeah. get picked up. Yeah, maybe yeah, that's yeah, what they were hoping for. That's probably yeah, yeah, what they were hoping so. for. Yeah. I, I, I and instead, so. it's kind of being picked up by. It might be a, a shout factory and and people like that. I think might have put it out in in different territories. But James is also right that there is also now a cult following because I remembered the kids in my high school who were really into parkour for some reason loved this film. And you're right that like everybody mm. knows somebody who adores this film. They're just never it. You know what I yeah. mean? So I do think now it's coming back, but I just wonder with what crowd. It's like seven no, different no, genres. No, no, exactly. Um, I, I suspect it'll be the, it will mainly be the old school martial arts crowd and a few sort of, mm. uh, that kind of what, I'm going to make it sound horrible, but that kind of people who used to read Ain't It Cool News type of crowd, rather than the, the people who, you know, are fans of like French cinema or sort of art house cinema or foreign language cinema. Which is which is which is right because that's yeah, not what yeah. this film is. It's, no, this I, film I, is, I agree. And, you know, it's, yeah. it is a, it is a it is a B movie in a sense. The court oh, intrigue definitely. is bad. Yeah. The, you don't come for the court intrigue. No, but it, no, uh, no, like no. I said, it's it's, it's interesting, and that very deliberate to kind of put that in there. It's kind of you know this is a, this yeah. is a, this is a wolf in, in sheep's clothing. It is sneaking <laughs> in under the <laughs> under the radar of, of those, and and really, I think, and that's. 
you know, I'm kind of kind of repeating myself here, but it is why it became popular because I think it took a lot of people by surprise because they were thinking, oh, it's it's this sort of movie, oh, and actually, no, 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 it's not. Christoph Gans is is really playing to the to the martial arts and the horror audience here, you know, <laughs> but he is he's got it in under one, and people are. are and it got quite a good reaction because people were surprised, mm. mm-hmm. you know. But it is partly, part of that is, and I think we, we, we risk a kind of banging on about this sort of thing um, on a regular basis, but it partly is this kind of ele- elevation of, of French cinema, which is, yeah. you know, kind of warps uh, the perspective, you know. Not to mm. kind of, that there's anything wrong with French cinema, but this this idea that because it's French it's something else they also do genres all the time exactly and, and, and I think what we, we, we don't necessarily that. see that we, yeah, we see yeah. other we see other sides of that yeah. you know we, we mm. don't we don't necessarily see all the kind of stupid the, the batty comedies you know to the yeah. point where you know the when this came out you know Jared Depardieu was still uh, put on a, on a pedestal you know but you know <laughs> this was before Asterix and Obelix you know it's like we, yeah. we don't we don't see all the fun stuff that, that comes from France, but you just see a certain yep. type of movie, obviously the sort of the, the the new way, French new wave, and stuff like that. And yeah. even those were quite batty and fun. It's just we kind of interpret them in a certain way that isn't really what what necessarily what they're all about. I also assume that that nobody in France was spending thirty million dollars on a movie at the time, but they were. They very much were. Mm. Like this was one of five or six movies coming out at the time. None of them which released abroad. Yeah, but they were generally spending that much money on movies, which surprised me. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, so, I mean, always had a very good. A lot of the European countries, and especially when they're, uh, you know, joined together, that have quite sort of supportive government, supported cultural foundations, both for not just for that for making the films, but there's a lot more support for releasing them, which I think is the key thing. So you know, you could make a twenty million pound film, well, no, in the UK, like a, t- a two million pound film, but if you didn't have some distribution support, then you'd need a huge amount of budget to actually release it properly as well so if you've got government support to put something out there it becomes a bit less of a bit less of a gamble and with this I, I, they would have pre-sold it would have been pre-sold all around europe um so you yeah. can it's not too much of a risk because it's, it's clearly a prestige picture in a lot of ways as we've said and i suspect that's why so much of the court stuff is in there not even just to subvert stuff because i'm sure that's what the, the french investors would have probably wanted to keep it as a you know french film so you're going to need that sort of you know, busty dresses and court intrigues and powdered wigs and stuff. Uh, so they, I, I think it needed that. So I think it's a mixture and a happy marriage to an extent because it would have, I'm sure Gans was very happy to, to mix in that kind of stuff with his own, the kind of stuff which was more appealing to him and his vision. So I, I, I yeah, I, as we said at the start of talking about this thing, came together as a collection of different elements, the story, uh, you know, the real life myth, the casting, what's going on behind the camera. It, it came together... You know, on paper, well, I mean, I, I'm not a massive fan of it, um, but uh, I I can see all these elements coming together well, and I'm not surprised that it's been, it was such a financial success at the time. Um, but I think as well, because it was such a commercial success, that's maybe another reason why it's it's not become such a, a I don't think it's a massive like cult favorite or anything, because it, it, cult favorites don't tend to be the films that were massive successes. And even if we, mm-hmm. you know, in English language speaking countries, I guess, so, not forgotten about it, but you know, it's probably more well remembered in Europe anyway. Because you know, in the same way, we remember more blockbusters from twenty years ago uh, from the US, or I mean, not from the UK because there aren't very many. But <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Though it's the French equivalent of a Hollywood film. Still. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's I think that's why it's maybe not had that kind of cult appeal, which I I, I think maybe 
you know some other films which were cult films in France as well might might have had so so as you said there though I think it's interesting to see who what this release would have been aimed at what crowd they thought it was going to be getting to it and, and still might I have no idea maybe it will be like a massive hit and this will revive it uh, and it will get talked about again a lot more I, I I'd be surprised but you never know it's more likely the people who originally spent their money on it when it came out will now buy it again I doubt yeah. you're right I doubt a new Falling no, I, I don't think there's enough there to actually... Because if nothing else, the, the film was way too long. And we talked about these different <laughs> versions. And I think, you know, whatever we think of it, it's not even so much just the length, it's the, the weird mixture of incompleteness and too much. So th mm. that even that itself is... that That's the kind of thing which kills a, a sort of exploitation or a cult yeah. classic or that kind of thing. Because if, you, if you're watching this kind of film and if you... If you cut together a trailer with the fight scenes and the bit, some bits of the, the mystery and the sort of sleepy hollow gothicness and stuff, mm, mm. then you would make it look like a completely different film than it actually was. And if you were watching this really drunk or stoned and drifting in and out, you'd have a completely different experience. So I, I don't think it's one which would go for the cult crowd. Uh, and I don't think the martial arts crowd would massively take to it, although, because it's not really, it's a bit plot heavy for some of the. Yeah, <laughs> the Marvel arts, but the same martial yeah. arts fans who were buying the old Jackie Chan films, put it that way, who are, I think, are probably the ones who are buying like older verse, you know, old Mark, older Mark Dacascos films, uh, maybe even yeah. Double Dragon. I think that's one crowd, uh, and I'm not sure this would be for them. I mean, he's great in it, and the fight scenes are good in it, and as you say, mm. they're, they're really well edited, and the choreography is good and stuff. I, I couldn't, I don't really care if they fit or not. I mean, they, they look, it looks nice, but. There's not enough of that actually in there to make this a martial arts film. And if you were sitting down with a, yeah, um, nobody should come for that. No, no, def definitely not. But I suspect that's partly how it will be pitched. It's almost like they're pitching all these genres, but don't actually complete on any of them. Maybe no. horror. I mean, it's, it's yeah. I mean, no. Well, you're right. It, it's mm. not. It's not really one thing or other. It's not so much green as it's cabbage looking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've heard that phrase in the podcast before, but. Never, uh, never. Yeah, <laughs> not one thing or t'other, really. Um, mm. And part, I mean, when I was watching it again, like for the first half an hour, I was, I was really enjoying it. I thought, this is beautiful. Mm. You know, it's a great film and stuff like that. Then about forty minutes in, start thinking, oh, okay, I'm getting a bit bored now. And then yeah, wake up again yeah, for yeah. a bit. Kill, it, the it, it just goes up and down, and it, it just it just loses all momentum. I think. Yeah, it doesn't have that kind mm. of Jaws way of keeping things going and everything like that. It just the plot just wanders off into bourgeois stuff. Um, <laughs> well, deliberately for for whatever reason. So it's it is there's it's not like a mistake. It's not this seems to be the kind of film it wants to be for you know for better for better or worse. And the fact that it was such a huge hit, especially in France. Uh, I, I mean, maybe this is a French thing. Maybe the French were, were, were sitting there. French audiences and the kind of things we're finding a bit of an issue. Maybe they, they just weren't finding it too much of an well, issue. It wasn't reviewed badly either. Okay, so yeah, yeah, I think it's seven seventy percent at the moment. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, it's. I, I'm very glad I watched it again. Um, I had only remembered the the interesting parts. I think, but <laughs> although Vincent Cassel is yeah. very good in it, and if yeah, you know, yeah. we're getting into spoilers. He's, he's, yeah, he's yeah. mental. He's got his monster arm and stuff like that. If they there's brought a, that out earlier, that would have been a lot better. There's a fact that IMDb trivia, which I don't think is true, which <laughs> that would be a shock. Role. IMDb. <laughs> he said he was offered the role, but refused until he found out about the creepy incest stuff with his sister, <laughs> and then agreed because <laughs> he just said it wasn't uh, complex enough. Half convincing. Half convincing, yeah. actually. I yeah. don't know. Sounds very French nobleman. Fifty percent, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But he's, his character is good in that. And, you know, what he turns out to be at the end and everything. Which well, still the arm make... reveal is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it still doesn't make any damn sense. Why is he pretending to only have one arm? <laughs> I, I Honestly, I, I mean, we, there's no point to debate it, but I don't understand why he was pretending to have one arm. No, I don't think it's a logical film. I mean, it's Gantz. <laughs> he, he never, never, never works with logic. Yeah, I know, but this no, is... and I think that's that's partly it, it is that's that's why it kind of the, the the second half of it does fall apart. I mean, yeah. and even even when you've got to slightly clean it. I mean, that, 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 that maybe that was partly why the UK cut wasn't mm. quite so noticeable because it does actually kind of it, it still kind of flows, but it does kind of shatter towards the end with all those kind of weird things going on, and it just doesn't. So you're saying the UK cut might have been creative, creative editing. <laughs> Just cut it down a bit. I, I don't, I mean, I have no idea. I mean, with this kind of situation, as we know from old you know, Hong Kong situations or, you know, Merrimack situations of making decisions to edit stuff and everything, the fact that this one has so many different versions, <laughs> um, you know, for different markets, I, I, I'm not sure who would be making the decisions. Uh, and <laughs> they thought this is what the, the UK audience, Le Roast Boeuf, wanted, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It will remain a mystery to the ages unless there's a commentary track which goes into that kind of detail, or mm. maybe find it online somewhere. But it's—I uh, still think no matter what you did, you'd have to cut quite a lot out of it to actually make it into a great film. Mm, about an hour, I'd say. I, I yeah, I think two. Getting it down to two hours at a minimum, mm. and I, ninety minutes would be great. Eighty minutes would, would be would be ideal. Um, <laughs> Well, the court stuff doesn't go anywhere, really. So, it, it's yeah. the, when it comes down to the the conspiracy or whatever with the cult, it's very, very straightforward. There's nothing. I mean, you, you yeah. even kind of know it before, way before it happens. So, the only thing yeah. you don't know about is is the monster arm and everything. And we could have seen the monster arm early <laughs> on. Was he, or if he turned into, turned out to be the beast? I, oh, anyway, I'm not going to. Sorry, yeah. I'm going down. <laughs> a, I tried to make too much sense of it. I know it's just. Oh, anyway, never mind. It's. <laughs> the monster arm is better than the creature. Anyway, it actually is, yeah. Mm. Okay, but I'm glad I'm glad I saw it again. It's an interesting, it's a, a curiosity to have seen again. And like you said, Andy, if it hadn't come back out again, I wouldn't really have remembered it. But it, the Cascos is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, one of those he guys who has one of those. I mean, I always wonder who verifies these. But it's the thing where you hear that from <laughs> seven to eighteen, he's won like every martial arts championship in his age group and stuff. I mean, it's one of those things where you weren't, I'm not sure why anyone would ever bother to make them up. I mean, so yeah, you just, yeah. you're right. I mean, how would you verify? I mean, you probably possibly could verify it, but why, why, why bother? I mean, it would be too terrifying I, to ask him, probably. He could yeah, up. yeah, yeah. Can, can I have a list of your awards, please? So I'm just looking to cross reference them. Silence. Why? Oh, <laughs> j just personal interest. <laughs> Paranoia. Just... I, I was thinking of trying out for some martial arts myself. <laughs> No, but he's he's great in this, uh, and I haven't seen all the the earlier films, but all the stuff I've seen him, and he always has a great screen presence as well as the the you know the obvious ability, which we, you know there's always such a huge difference. Like uh, even if you looking back at some of the old Shaw Brothers films, when you had the actors who were proper martial artists, and then the ones who you choreograph stuff around to make it look like the martial artists, and with him he's got a real physicality to his presence. So so yeah. Do you guys have any like big DeCascos movies that I've missed? Because it, it does take a bit of digging, to be fair. Uh, um, I mean, there's lots we haven't covered. But I mean, I, Drive I, I is a favorite for people. Yeah, Drive people, is yeah. Drive is one I heard a lot about. I didn't get to that. I mean, it's a good film. I, I I haven't seen it for quite a long time, but it, that, that's that's always sort of cited off as being uh, 
one of his key his key films. But then I mean, it was kind and of also it was another one that sort of came out in the sort of right era. So it was just sort of at the beginning of DVD, and I think it was one of the sort of. He might come out in Hong Kong Legends here or something like that. Mm. It was quite, a, even though it doesn't actually have anything to do with Hong Kong. It's <laughs> it's not it's not a cinema release. I think it was straight to it's something. It says on director video. Uh, I'm sure it's director to Hong yeah. Entertainment. Yeah, uh, but that, that's one that's got a bit of a cult. Definitely got a bit of a cult following. But mm. uh, he's definitely one of those guys who has who has been in a lot of stuff, which was effectively straight to home entertainment. So he he will definitely mm, always yeah. have like a pretty good sized fan base, but th- th- there's not, you know, he's not really had breakout breakout roles. Whereas mm-hmm. I think most people who 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 are cult cinema fans, Asian cinema fans, action action fans, and, and stuff would know would definitely know who he is. But he, it's he's kind of interesting really... to see that come, some of his recent stuff is actually doing voice on um, really. A voice uh, on like Batman, Soul of the Dragon, and stuff like that. So that you know, if John gonna... Wick may have been the breakout. Also, maybe now that's what was, yeah. that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Maybe yeah. now uh, he'll he'll get a few, or at least he'll get like another wave of um, yeah B movie action. He's uh, in an action. HBO show I've never seen called What's Warrior. That? Oh, Warrior, oh, the, Warrior, the Bruce yeah. Lee one. Or he's joining this season. Okay. So. Okay. I haven't seen it, but that that was supposed to be pretty good. I didn't know that was yeah, still. Yeah. Just must. It looks like the same. Still, and, Andrew Koji one. Um, didn't know that was still going. Fair enough. But it was supposed to be good. And it's just funny to me that you guys aren't aware of the chairman. I mean, he's hugely famous in the U.S. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I don't know if you could walk down the street in New York, you know. Well, it's, but it's, it's all different. Different. Here. Yeah. yeah, we don't. Let's we don't. Yeah, so and it doesn't. I mean, it's probably your equivalent of the Great British Break Off. So I mean, yeah, he's like, Mary Berry. <laughs> uh, I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is either. Oh, um, oh, oh Paul oh, Hollywood. Yeah, he's oh, yeah. Paul Hollywood. Nope. Sorry, okay. I, I don't. don't know watch... It's pointless with James. He's the one person who doesn't watch <laughs> these programs one way or another. But yeah, I, I know exactly what them. you mean. And uh, yeah, yeah I, I've actually, I'd say he was more. Uh, yeah, definitely more Mary Berry than Paul Hollywood. If you ask me. And I think he he competed in uh, what do you call Dancing with the Stars. Oh, uh, well, so you strictly think he, come dancing? Strictly come yeah. dancing. You competed in the U.S. version of that. He's so he's very multi-talented. I, I wish I would have asked him about that. Actually. We just kind of also, I think, probably having fun with that kind of celebrity as well, which seems yeah, he doesn't well. seem to be someone who's taking himself that seriously. No, yeah. no, very no that's good. Yeah, no, 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 it's good. No, no, no. I, and, and saying like he's he's not had a massive like mainstream breakthrough thing is not saying that's a, a bad thing either because he's clearly had like, quite a long career and a, and a pretty constant uh, career of con- you know of acting and stuff have always of a pretty decent quality if if you know if john wick is it's kind of a big breakthrough type one so it's i mean the chairman the the iron chef thing in particular just because there's so completely different audiences i mean like you know, you know to me especially that's um you know to a lesser extent i guess uh you know andy there you know those you know our perception of him, and as you say, like the perception of people who'd be there if he couldn't walk down the street in New York for without getting people coming up to him. So, which is which is cool. I mean, yeah, it's very multifaceted. Then having these completely different screen, you know, activities and personas. So, you know, fair, uh, fair, it's fair play to like um, watching John Wick three, and then Paul Hollywood's the villain, kind of. Or because I, I, I was I was completely unprepared for seeing him on screen. Or maybe this will get maybe this will get released in the U.S. and it's like you know just say starring the, the chairman. The chairman. Yeah. Oh, you know, and it's like from, from featuring the star of a famous cooking program. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> maybe, love maybe, that. Maybe, man. 
So let's have a listen to Yona's chat with Mark DeCascos now. Hey, Mark, how are you? Good, Yona. How are you? Sorry I'm late. Well, we've been doing interviews and we're a little bit behind. No, I'm just happy you made the time for me. What time is it over there? Uh, right now it is 12.05. Oh, I'm in Los Angeles. Who are you? I'm in London. All right. Right on. So should we just get right into it? Sure. And, and thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No, no, the honor's all mine. Um, I grew up in New York City around a lot of foodies, so to be oh. chairman, this is like, <laughs> I'm starstruck. Okay, cool. Thank but, you. I wish I could feed you today, but you know. <laughs> oh man, stop. Um, so I, let's start at the way beginning, if that's okay. Um, okay. You were taught martial arts by your parents, correct? Yes. Yes. What style did you begin with? Because when you kind of read your biographies. It names like capoeira, all these different kinds of styles. But what was kind of what you started with? Okay. My my mother and father are both Kung Fu teachers. My father created a style called One Hop Kyun Do, which kind of focuses, not kind of, it focuses on street self-defense, real life fighting. Um, but in acquiring the skills for that, we 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 still did sport fighting to you know, to teach us how to cover the distance and uh, initial fast attacks and so forth. Um, my father taught my mother. She became one of the top fighter, female fighters in America, first woman on the cover of Black Belt magazine. And she and my dad taught my brother and I. And that's that was our base style is one-hop kendo. And then through the years, I went on to learn a little bit of wushu. Um, I... I, on my own volition, started Capoeira classes before I got the audition for Only the Strong, which is a you know a movie that incorporates a lot of Capoeira. And then a uh, little bit later, I, I was invited to do this show in China, uh, a series about Bruce Lee, and they wanted me to uh, play this Muay Thai boxer. And I'd always been interested in Muay Thai, but it gave me a great reason and opportunity to study Muay Thai for real before I actually shot the movie, uh, shot the series. And uh, I've been playing with Muay Thai um, and Capoeira and One Up Kindo since I started the different arts. So that's kind of the repertoire is, is, is my mother and father's One Up Kindo, Capoeira and Muay Thai. And then, you know, of course the Wushu gives me some of the form flavor, I guess. And so you were actually doing a martial arts demonstration when you were discovered by um, two producers, is this correct? Um, okay, so in terms of, I'm just going to fix this. In terms of uh, starting my career, um, I was actually walking uh, in Chinatown after having taught a class for my mom. And uh, Chris Lee, he went on to become president later to become president of TriStar and produced a bunch of big movies. At that time, he was an assistant director uh, for Wayne Wang and uh, invited me to, to audition for, for his movie. And uh, believe it or not, when he, uh, when he asked me to audition, I, I, I thanked him but said, no, thank you. And he asked why. And I said, because I'm, I'm not an actor. And, you know, the thing is, you know, being a student of Kung Fu, I know how long it takes and how much effort it takes to be good at anything, at anything. 
you know, and I'd been I'd been studying for years in, in, in martial arts and it was still hard and I was still working to get good at it, you know. So I, you know, I, I you know, I know movies are really cool. I love movies. But, you know, the great thing is I had enough wherewithal in my head to know that I wasn't an actor. It takes time to be an actor, you know, um, to be a good actor, I think. And, and so, 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 so when I said, no, thank you, he said, okay, uh, well, I'm going to give you my number. And if you change your mind, you know, we'd love to have you audition. Later that afternoon, I go back home. I talked to my mom, you know, one of my Kung Fu teachers. And she said to me, listen, um, life is a big adventure, ups and downs, twists and turns. You thought you wanted to be a monk. That didn't work out. You know, you've never done any acting, but maybe you'll like it. Maybe not. Go try go try. And so I did. I auditioned and three days later, I was invited to the show. And I have to thank my mom over and over again, because had she not, you know, pushed me to, to, to give the call and go, I don't know if I would be talking with you right now. I'm so glad she did. Thank <laughs> so you. Thank you. And then you. just to move forward a bit fast, um, can I talk a little bit of who brought you to Christoph Gans? Because it, it's such a marriage made in heaven, isn't it? And, and the, the work you guys have made. So I just watched Crying Friedman, Freeman today. I'm oh, a fan. I didn't know that you guys adapted it. And I loved it so much. Oh, thank you, Yona. Thank you. So so this is the thing. Yeah. Off camera, to my left, I have, well, we have, we have three big dogs. Um, you know, two of them are on the bed with my wife, Julie, who played Emu O'Hara in Crying Freeman. So she's listening wow. to you, man. So you better, you know, be careful. We both, nice about me. <laughs> we both have to be so very great. careful. <laughs> yeah, you were my favorite part of the film, of course. <laughs> there you Thank go. you. Thank you. <laughs> I just want to know who brought you and Christoph together because, you know, we're talking about Brotherhood of the Wolf today, the new yes. release. Yes, yes. Um, you guys just, you come from such different worlds, but had so much to offer to each other. How did that happen? Oh, thank you. Okay, so um, prior to Crying Freeman, I had done a movie called Only the Strong. And it kind of, you know, incorporates a lot of capoeira. That producer, one of the producers on that show was Samuel Adida. Samuel Adida being um, one of the owners of Metropolitan. Metropolitan being the producers of, of uh, one of the producers of Crying Freeman. And Samuel, the producer, thought that I could possibly be uh, a potential, you know, potential uh, um, actor in, in Crying Freeman. And, and uh, you know, it was, it was uh, Christoph who was directing. So it was actually Samuel Adira who was the, the connector of us initially. And uh, I remember going in to meet with Christoph, and he was very pleasant, but he wasn't sure yet, you know. Um, but at least I got to meet him, and, and I was on his radar. And then cut to a few months later, I was finishing up a movie in South Africa. And I remember I had just uh, we had just done some river rafting, and then I had this emergency phone call um, from somebody. And so they, they they called me into the little, you know, uh, office, um, and it was my manager, and she said that Christoph decided that he was going to go with us, go with me for for the lead in Crying Freeman, and I was, you know, so excited because I, I was a fan. A, a friend of mine had um, Michael Stratford had shown me the um, the anime, the manga of it, the live you know animation, and I was I was also a huge fan of the show. So 
um, yeah, that's how we started. I mean, looking at your uh, filmography, I see a lot of anime adaptions, even some coming up. I'm really excited for Saya. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Was that something intentional for you? Are you personally a fan or, or did that just kind of happen? I, I am a fan. I am a fan. But, uh, you know, to to say that I wanted to do this or that, I mean, sure, you have ideas of what you want to do. I mean, for me, uh, of what I wanted to do as an actor. But, you know, life, man, it's like my mom said, ups and downs, twists and turns. So it's just been, you know, good fortune that I've gotten to do um you know, uh, live action, live action of the of the manga and anime. Um, before I forget, we are promoting Brotherhood of the Wolf here. So yes. <laughs> um, why bring this film back? You know, usually when we are, you know, re-releasing stuff, it's from the old Kung Fu stuff, Golden Harvest and stuff. Why are we suddenly looking at such a recent film? I think personally, because it's so unique, you know, it's a unicorn in the best way. But I want to hear from you. Why are we watching this movie again? Well, that's a good question. I'm glad that you said that because uh, I do think it's a it's a it's a unicorn. I, I I to this day have not seen a movie with so many genres in one film. Mm. I mean, you've got the horror element, the romance, you know, uh, the historical, um, you know, it's a, a period piece, and it's and it's somewhat based on on actual history, you know, and then you have uh, a quasi kung fu martial arts in there so i mean all these things mesh together and then with the backdrop of the beautiful france you know all these different locations um i was there for over five months and only one day did i shoot in the studio everywhere else was actual location you know so i think uh, i think like you said one the movie is definitely a unicorn and you've got all these genres meshing in together. And in the context of the story, it actually makes sense. Um, do we have time for a couple more? Sure. So I'd like to ask you about John Wick, because that's really where I sort of got reintroduced to you. I'm so glad that happened now that I've seen Thank you. Freeman, Thank you. fantastic films. Thank um, you. How did that happen? Just to be vague, you know, did, did, yeah. did you get a call or? Yes. So I had met uh, Chad Stahelski. Um, let's see. I'll, I'll cut back to 2018, I believe, is when we shot, right? Was it 2018? Yes. That long ago? Wow. I think it was 2018. I'm asking my wife real quick. Oh, I, think, I think it was, two, I know, I know. Time goes by. But so in 2018, I had I was in New York doing um, um, working with my Shakespeare teacher Patsy Rodenberg, and I got the call from my manager that Chad Stahelski wanted to meet. The great thing is he was in New York as well, so I, I'm thinking that was January, uh, February, or March or something like that. Anyway, I go in to meet with him, and he had invited me to uh, to do a couple of scenes somewhere in the Morocco sequence. And I thought, okay. And, and I, I asked him when that would be. And he said, probably in October. So I was, I was thrilled and excited and wow, this is so cool. You know, John Wick three, I get to be part of it. Cause my wife, my wife had already been a fan. Uh, she saw one and two before I did, you know, she said it was so great that I got to see it too. So I did. And it was great. Of course they're great. So uh, I was planning on maybe, you know, going to John Wick three in October and then cut to sometime in June, I believe. Um, I get this text from Chad on a Sunday and he says, hey, DeCoscos, give me a call tomorrow. 
great. So I called Chad on Monday. This is in June. And he says, yeah, things have changed. Uh, Keanu and I would like to invite you to be the lead bad guy. And I'm like, of course. <gasps> yes, please. I ask him, uh, Chad, when do you need me there? Because I'm in Los Angeles. He's in New York. When do you need me? He says, come tonight. I, I said, tonight? He says, come tonight. So I get on a red eye. I arrive there Tuesday morning. I shave my head on Wednesday. And on <laughs> Thursday, I'm doing my first scene with Asia Kate Dillon and Lawrence Fishburne. And I'm yeah. figuring out the character and learning the dialogue day by day, scene by scene. Wow. And, you know, being such, you know, I think an expert on martial arts and action, what makes them so good? The John Wick movies? Well, I think, uh, one, it starts at the top. I mean, Chad Stahelski is an incredible uh, stuntman. He's a real martial artist. Tons of experience working with, with Keanu on the Matrix movies and everything else and all the other shows he's done. And so when you have somebody that who knows, who actually knows what he's doing, across the board from storytelling, working with the actors and doing action, he's our leader, you know? And then you have Keanu Reeves who, who puts everything, obviously you see it, into the preparation of his roles. I mean, uh, how many months did he practice, you know, the jujitsu ju and learning how to work with guns and all that stuff? So, you know, when you have the, the two top, you know, um, you know, as your leaders of the show, everything else falls in place and they need people to support them. If they're that good, you need people to support them. So they find people that can do their respective jobs at, at a high level, you know? Um, yeah. And so you, you bring all that across and then you have Dan Lauston, you know, the DOP director of photography for WIC two, three, and four. He was also our director of photography for brotherhood of the wolf. Ooh, that's yeah. fantastic cinematography. Yeah. Yes. So Chad goes around and he handpicks all his elements, you know, whatever he feels best fit that slot and then puts us together, you know? So uh, I feel so blessed and so lucky because um, I got to, I got to be in John Wick three. I mean, zero was awesome. So thank you, uh, thank you. for that. I appreciate and, um, we have time for one more. Yeah, sure. Um, so it's kind of a two-part question, which is, what are you definitely doing? I know you're going to do another season of Warrior. I'm very excited about that. Yes. You're doing a, a, an adaptation of Saint Seiya. Yes. So Saint Seiya comes out in, in the U.S. at least May 12th. And then uh, Warrior season three comes out June 29th, HBO Max. Is there anything else that maybe people aren't so informed about that you're going to be working on or something you really want to do? Yes, yes, there's something I really want to do, and hopefully I'll be able to do it. Um, so that's one thing, but I can't talk about that because it's still out there. And then there's another show that uh, I will more than likely be able to do with 0, 0.0. And they are the company that did uh, Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown. And they came to me with a scripted series, and it's fantastic. And I, I hope we get uh, get to rolling on that very soon. And then finally, finally, will we ever see the chairman again? Oh, goodness. <laughs> That's a good question. You know, I hope so. But who knows? Yeah, you know, I uh, really hope so. Thank you so much, Yona. Thank is you. that correct? Yona, right? Yeah, Yona. And, and is Mark DeCascos, is that correct? Perfect. 
Thank you so much. No, this has been a great interview. I love your energy. Oh, yours as well. Thank you for having me. And, you know, to, to, to interview uh, about something that we did 23 years ago, uh, I'm so honored and grateful. Thank you. Crying Freeman, I'm going to be talking about it all week. It's fantastic. I'm not just saying that because I'm talking. Because Julie's over here? No, I'm not. It was really <laughs> good. I, I think it was better than the anime. The anime, I think, has some issues. I think it was better. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, man. Well, that's uh, that's Christoph. You know, he he pulled us all together. Checky Cario, Julie Condra de Cascos, um, uh, Radon Chong, um, oh, Shimada Yoko. You know, what really, really cool cast. No, I forgot Ray was in that. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. Thank you so much. And, and um, this will go on our podcast. I'm really excited to hear it. And check us out at Easter Kicks. I'm really excited for I'm going to watch Saint Seiya. I just oh. can't wait. Thank you, Yona. I appreciate it. Have a great day, Mark. Me too. Aloha. Thanks. So the new restoration of The Brotherhood of the Wolf is released by Studio Canal on UHD, Blu-ray and DVD from the 15th of May 2023. That's it for now. Don't forget you can find all of our previous episodes on Apple, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now and you'll never miss an episode. But for now, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. cheers.